0: Me, you know, my guest today, I, I cannot tell you how much I've learned from this guy, and he uh, has a great lesson for us today. One of the smartest people around, and I'm honored to have him every time. Thank you for joining me, Matt. Aret.
1: Thank you, Mel. Always, always a pleasure. And I know this, this is a long time coming. We, we discussed this. I think we floated this at the end of one of our interviews, uh, one of our shows two months ago or so, and uh, we we're like, okay, we're gonna do something specifically breaking down Abraham Lincoln's greenbacks. And uh, we'll make it more of like a class lecture structured thing that we don't usually do because I'll I'll, and I said I'll make some PowerPoint, I'll make some images, some stats. So, and we never did it. So just you know things happen. Uh, we're finally doing it. So and I know I've gotten messages. So we saw I saw that on Twitter, people messaging you, messaging me, saying, hey, when are you gonna do this class? So we're doing it. Yeah. Um. So I made I made about. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Um, I made a few images. As I promised, and also I, I found a little video that I want to start with. Um, right. And this video, uh, we'll do share sound here. Let's see right. if this works. If it doesn't work, you see my uh, my screen? Yeah, I see it. There okay, it's a short Fox News clip of the cobalt miner conditions in uh, in Congo. Right. I believe it's the Congo. It might be somewhere else, but I think it's Congo. Let's let's see. Africans work in extreme heat and dangerous conditions for pennies. In America, we call that illegal. But Biden, AOC, call that the Green New Deal. But children halfway around the world are the ones paying the price. They spend all day covered in toxic chemicals to make your electric car. Mothers with newborn babies strapped to their chests are mining in dark pits. Biden would never let this happen in America because you actually have to pay American workers a decent wage. And then the Green New Deal gets more expensive and it's already too expensive. But since this is in Africa, we don't hear about it. And we don't think anybody should buy an electric car without knowing that this happens. Siddhartha Kara, author of Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the... All right, I want to start just with that little clip, just to uh, situate this presentation on the USA in the 19th century. Um, Because... Some things have changed and some things have stayed the same, but the slavery today, just like we had, I mean, you know, slavery was a big thing in the 19th century and most of human civilization's history. The idea of owning human beings as property was not abnormal. This is a relatively new phenomenon where we have, uh, passed laws and made it normalized to say that no, owning another human being is not the, is not lawful. It's not right. Um, But in reality, when you look at like how globalization is wired, how is the Davos, how is the Bilderberger group, how is globalization, which has been created, especially over the dead bodies of people like John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, in order to create this whole global system of dependence on cheap labor, exploitation of resources. This is not that different from slavery in many ways. Although one could say, oh, but you know, we're paying the, the, the child laborer, there's 40,000. Kids just in Congo alone working in these mines. Many of them are for, as, as, as Jesse Waters was saying, for co- cobalt and other rare earths for the Green New Deal to support electric car batteries, to support photovoltaic cells, which require massive, massive inputs of destructive mining operations. Um, people would say, oh, these children, these people who are being, who are maybe not children, you know, but but are still working in abusive conditions around Africa and in South America. At least they get paid 25 cents a day. So they're not really slaves because we're paying them 25 cents a day. Now, okay, you could say that, but in reality, you know, deep down inside, uh, if you paid them a dollar a day, if you paid them an, a, a wage on parallel to the type of wage expected by the developed sector workers, um, the system wouldn't work. So we're dependent, po- we're dependent upon those inputs. And it happened even before the days of the Green New Deal. So we got this whole system, um, now, this is where I'd like to launch into the presentation. Um Go ahead. so let me do a little uh, screen share again. Um second. Uh sorry. I'm just not seeing my, my PowerPoint, but it's there somewhere. Here it is. Okay. The um and the fact is, well, we were chatting. The fact that the Green New Deal is being promoted by people and and who are in charge in the Biden administration, like John Podesta, the Clintons, the people who are the most, uh, I mean, I'm not even gonna get into Pizzagate, but I, I mean, in terms of those who who are the worst human beings in the world, are the ones in charge. Right. Maury, Maury Strong, uh, you know, the one of the the most rampant Luciferian figures who worked for the Rockefeller machine. And it was the co-creator of the Green New Deal back in the 1970s. The fact that these are the creatures um, shows a direct continuity to the same machine, the same machinations that were trying to destroy America back in 1861 when the first shots rang out and the Civil War begun. Um, The idea was to always destroy and undo what the United States patriots had created in 1776 with the Declaration of Independence and finalized In 1789 with the constitution that had to be undone and the best way that empires operate for this sort of thing is divide and conquer if you can't destroy it physically from the outside try to break it up from within as as anything anything that you want to target destroy from within so the civil war was a big thing now i chose to call this little presentation lincoln's greenbacks and master key in saving the union there's as i said other parallels to obviously um the uh, the layout, the breakdown of the United States today um, has a lot of parallels to what we saw in the buildup wow. to the, the Civil War as well, right?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's unmistakable. Um, the the amount of and it, it's understandable. It's totally understandable why this this graph on the right, featuring the abundance of voices of people of citizens living in these various uh, states of America, want to secede. I get it. I get it. And that's become actually a very popular movement amongst the like the the truth community, as, as it's so called, is to uh, have a national divorce with the idea that things are going to get better, that uh, that we're just going to be able to end the empire just by by, you know, breaking away, doing what the what was attempted back 150 years ago. But, you know, and, and maybe having usually this is colored with this philosophy of having micro communities, de- decentralization, everybody going small, going Amish. And somehow, um, we're going to be able to sort of survive and beat back the, this, this global deep state satanic empire with its controls of military industrial systems, all of the stuff, space based lasers, GMO mosquitoes with like vaccine powers. We're going to be able to just somehow end that by just creating our own little micro systems. And I got to say, um, in my view my my analysis thus far is that is a sure recipe for getting our asses and our families uh killed and enslaved if we if those are not killed um it's a trap even though i get it i get why it's um desired and i yeah. and and a lot of this i think has to do with the sense of a, a lack of sense of victory people have have been demoralized they've been made obviously cynical a bit and so that emotional tone um, has created a, a situation where people want to do what was attempted back in the in the 19th century. But as I'm going to say, and uh, and as Donald Trump knows, because I'm I'm assuming if people are listening to this, there's a fair chance either you're you're working for intelligence and you're just like sort of profiling the uh, the alternative media community, or the majority of people actually do like Donald Trump and do want to take back the nation. Um, they probably want to know why Trump said the following things. Because Trump was actually calling for using national power um, to break the controls of the oligarchy, it create national policies and international policies based upon entente, cooperation with Russia, um, development uh that would have made a lot of money and w- will make a lot of money if we're able to win this fight again uh, for big business, for the people to bring back manufacturing to America all across the, the United States that has been hollowed out. By years of globalization, Trump Trump wanted to bring that back, and he would have used the national power available to him as president, which has an immense amount of power to advance that that program. as as we saw for the four years, even though his hands were tied and he was being sabotaged by this this um, deep deep state operation, even d- despite that, we saw the evidence of that, he said repeatedly that we have to bring the Republican Party back to the spirit of Abraham Lincoln. And again, a lot of people who like Trump don't like Lincoln. So I'm going to say a few things about this. Um, But he said in 2019, the Republican Party, he said the Republican Party, the party of Abraham Lincoln goes forward, united, determined and ready to welcome millions of Democrats, independents and anyone who believes in the greatness of America and the righteous heart of the American people. And he said a little bit earlier in another speech in Kentucky, the American model is the system that our founders wanted. Our greatest American leaders, including George Washington, Hamilton, Jackson, who I disagree with. But anyway, Lincoln, they all agreed that for America to be a strong nation, it must also be a great manufacturing nation. So yeah. <clears throat> Trump definitely understood something very important about Lincoln. Um, there's been a lot of slander against Lincoln. And uh That has to do with the fact that I think the oligarchy that's been trying to bring about this one world government of depopulation for the entire time that after Lincoln died and before Lincoln, during the fight and then afterwards, that same oligarchy that never disappeared after the Civil War was never American. It never um, disappeared. It was never, never expunged, although um, the patriots in America did gain an immense amount of of power, of influence after the Civil War, and spread this American system, as as Trump called it, understood it to be called. That's how it was self-referenced around the world to patriots in Russia, to Japan, to Europe, to South America, to France, to Germany. And uh, one of the key figures who organized this was a leading figure who helped co-found the Republican Party itself in 1856, which was the anti-slave party. It was better understood that the Democratic Party machine was the party of slavery. It was the party of Wall Street. And it was the Republican party set by one, or set up by one of Lincoln's key advisors who became a champion of the system after Lincoln was murdered, uh, spreading it around the world it was Henry C. Carey. And Henry C. Carey wrote a book called The Harmony of Interests. I know of this because I, I was a volunteer for many years with the LaRouche organization and the Schiller Institute okay. up until 20, 2017. And that's when I first, during that time, I encountered a lot of this stuff. So for those who want to look into this a little bit more I would suggest read um Alan Salisbury's um books uh, his research on Henry C Carey and the American system. Um I'll send you a link to share around if you after this, right. this presentation. That's good. Yeah, good. Henry C Carey forecasting the the inevitable um civil war which was always being manufactured and manipulated by external forces outside of America itself and their fifth columnists within America, managing Wall Street, managing the slave power. These are these are fifth column. It's not authentically American. Um, said and foresaw that two systems are before the world. One looks to increasing the proportion of persons and of capital engaged in trade and transportation and therefore to diminishing the proportion engaged in production of commodities with which to trade. With Necessarily re- uh, diminished returns to the labor of all, while the other looks to increasing the proportion engaged in the work of production and diminishing that engaged in trade and transportation with increased returns to all, giving to the laborer good wages and to the owner of capital good profits. One looks to underworking the Hindu and sinking the rest of the world to his level. The other, to raising the standard of man throughout the world to our level. One looks to pauperism, ignorance, depopulation, and barbarism. The other, in increasing wealth, comfort, intelligence, combination of action and civilization. One looks towards universal war, the other towards universal peace. One is the English system, the other we may be proud to call the American system for it is the only one ever devised the tendency of which was that of elevating while equalizing the condition of man throughout the world that's a beautiful little beautiful summary. i little, know well doesn't uh, where
0: it, wish wish she was around now yes <laughs> but the spirit of but that did, sounds did, like the, that sounds like the divide that we're living through at this moment is uh is i think that at least with the people that we speak to i think that's kind of where we are in a lot of ways, yeah.
1: And and the reason why I, I I really wanted to begin with this is because it was under people often treat the U- U.S. history in in two with two fallacies that have been promoted. One is to treat it as if it was a U.S. experience. The Civil War is a purely U.S. Uh, phenomenon. Not true. You can't understand anything if you think in those terms and you don't look at the broader global chemistry. Number two, they they treat it as if it were about slavery alone, as if that's all it was. Without recognizing that it was much more than that, and it had a lot to do with what Carrie Henry C. Carey just pointed out, which is the battle over economic systems. And there is parallels between the British capitalist system, which used uh, human exploitation. It did not have the idea that human life was sacred. That was not there. You know, they, they were working little children in Charles, like Charles Dickens, you know, yeah, Tale of Two Cities totally. type of abuse environments and. of the population was stuck in the British textile mills. They were they were using the British East India Company as a global private corporation with its own armies in order to use capitalism as a cover to actually justify the the destruction of India, of China, of Ireland, around the world. So the idea was to use capitalism as a cover to enforce population control, divide to conquer starvation for better controls, not for making money. They didn't really care about capital. They cared about control. Um, and then you. Have I this want to American say story. something
0: one sec. I just realized something through this. I knew I would because you're a, you're like a professor, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I, you are a professor actually. Um, because this is important, and I I just dawned on me. Not that it's the first time, but I really do want to say this about about the Civil War and about slavery, because a lot of times people don't understand that it wasn't just about slavery, but because of the context and what you put up here that Carrie was saying at the time. This is a lot bigger than that, because I, I think that the narrative that's been created, especially by people like the 1619 Project and others that are out there using the CRT and, and your oppressed oppressor, is that the people that had slaves just had slaves for pure evil, that they were just evil people that wanted to enslave people. No, they were using people to do work and labor. For as cheap as possible to get away with it, which is still going on to this day. But, but you know, I feel like the, the idea that, that, that sometimes I'm glad you're doing this because that gets left out of the conversation a lot that it did as it does now have a lot to do with money, resources, labor, wages, all of that. A lot of the people that were slave owners, it, it had a lot more to do with their financial end game. And it did with the, they weren't looking at them as people. They certainly were looking at them as they own them, a commodity, but it was even, it wasn't just pure, like, the, you know, this is like a rent talking about Eichmann. It wasn't just pure evil. It was truly different level, evil plus greed plus, you know, well, this is how I'm going to keep power. It's just interesting to, to think about the civil war in terms of the financial side and being fair to people as versus owning people as paying people a fair wage for good life. As averse to not paying them a fair wage, owning them and tr- and having slaves, it just people never get to that next step of yeah. well, what was slavery about because it, it wasn't just pure yes. evil, it was a lot of it was about money and greed
1: Go ahead. yes exactly exactly uh, yeah and and of course the as soon as you put yourself in a position where you become dependent upon somebody staying in a lower uh lower life potential than you seeing their life is not being sacred because they don't have rights to have freedom because they're inferior in some way as soon as you have you let that in your heart of course a little bit of the oligarchy in the inner echelons of the of the upper controllers are is going to be awoken inside of you as well a little oligarch will start forming and shaping your own identity even though you yourself are kind of a slave to the system right you're you're like and, and frederick Douglass. My wife uh, wrote a book going through a lot of this stuff, and uh Cynthia uh, Chung, and she made the point that you know, in reading Frederick Douglass's autobiography, who was a, a freed slave who worked and That's advised right. Lincoln, yeah. um he even noted uh after, after the Emancipation Proclamation and after slavery was abolished, he went and visited it was safe to travel in the in the former slave states, and he visited his former uh slave master on his deathbed and said, "I forgive you because we were both slaves, ultimately." That was a yeah. big deal. I don't know if I could have done that, but he did that and he got that. That's true. Like, you know, and, and most people, um, were not themselves slave owners in, in the slave South. It was a small minority who actually had the money to own human beings. It was a bit expensive, yeah. you know? Um, I think um, they've, but I think they've deal-
0: suppressed Frederick Douglass in, in history as well. Cause I think Frederick Douglass, yeah. if people actually understood him and knew, I know mo- movies in Hollywood have been put up thousands, like hundreds of times and they never get financed or, or put out. But he's yeah. a really important person, I think, in this whole period of time that you're talking about to really dispel a lot of myths and, and say a lot of truth. Cause there's still people out there that think that um it was Lincoln and the Republican party and all of that, that really were behind slavery. I mean, the, the, the just the lies about slavery yeah. as opposed to the truth from actual people like Frederick Douglass are so different that, um, I just want to recommend to everyone to read Frederick Douglass's autobiography, and you will never look at any of it the same. Go ahead.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so here's the thing. Now, there's this is actually an 1858 uh, speech. It's part of the debates between the the, the Lincoln-Douglas um, debates. Stephen Douglas, who was a, uh, a Democrat running for Senate, and— um, and he, or a judge uh, who was a big proponent of Dred Scott and the whole slave power. And there was a series of debates, and this was an extract from one of them before Lincoln became president, where he described, because people say, oh, it wasn't about slavery. Lincoln said it's about saving the Union. He, he would not free a slave if he could save the Union. Now, the rea- that's a fallacy completely, because Lincoln was on record going back to the 1830s, calling for the need to free slaves. And it was, in fact, the reason why, um, as soon as Lincoln was elected president, that you had the immediate announcement by... Five and then quickly seven states that they were going to secede under a new confederacy um because they knew that their system that was dependent upon slave labor, and we're going to see more of that, was now jeopardized. So to say, oh, Lincoln didn't, because of this one quote, uh no context, thus it was all a fraud. We've all been lied to. It wasn't about slavery. No, I'm sorry. There, it was absolutely about slavery. And Lincoln united the, the whole fight against global imperialism and the slave factor in the United States as part of the same fight. Correctly so, as as Henry C. Carey did, who helped co-found the Republican Party with Lincoln around the same time, where he said that is the issue that will continue in this country when these poor tongues of Judge Douglas and myself shall be silent. It is the eternal struggle between these two principles, right and wrong, throughout the world. They are the two principles that have stood face to face from the beginning of time and will ever continue to struggle. The one is the common right of humanity, and the other the divine right of kings. Just like the global empire re- requires the idea of hereditary powers, that's what the Founding Fathers broke away from, is this idea that your authority to rule or have any of the privileges is purely based on the betterness, the superiority of your blood and your hereditary bloodlines. Um, and that gives you right to be masters as monarchs over the, or lords, or knights, sirs, or whatever hereditary title Thanks. you want. The, the many who must be born into lower families with lower blood uh, as slaves in varieties of ways, that is is in, inextricably tied to the slave ethic, the slave master ethic that was corrupting the United States from within. Yeah. Um, now, for... He destroyed, you know, if he just, if he, he destroyed 500,000 or 600,000 American lives through this unnecessary civil war, and and I've had, I've been in debates in public platforms where people have actually said this to me, that slavery would have just naturally disappeared if he just let them be, let them go go have their own nation, um, slavery would have dissipated. I say to that, listen to the, the words of the Confederate vice president himself, Alexander Stevens, on February 1st, 1861, right when Lincoln is, is elected and right when they're announcing the uh, a breakaway new nation, a new confederacy. He says, our confederacy is founded upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery is his natural oh, and normal condition. This Our new government is the first in the history of the world based on this great physical and moral truth. People can verify this if they want to. Oh my god! And the second thing I would say, this this creepy, creepy character, um, yeah, who probably never lifted a a a, a hammer in his life. Um, real blue blood. That's what that's why they call them blue bloods because their their skin was effeminate and and like pasty because they never got sun and never did any work they call them like the boston blue bloods uh or the (laughs) the slave power blue bloods because again they had like he's probably being carried around by 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 a couple of like black uh uh strong slaves or something and you know they they were really addicted to privilege it's super gross
0: yeah but they still exist People, well, these are these kind. I mean, they do. And no matter what anyone says, let me tell you something. The people that are doing this debt slavery model like you brought up in the beginning in Africa and South America and quite honestly, in America, these 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 globalist elite oligarchs, they still feel that way, in my opinion. And and it's not just about black people. It's about anyone that they consider below them. So yes. it's just yes. it's really sick. But again, this guy, again, isn't just a Confederate. He's also a Democrat. So yeah,
1: and he's the the vice president of the Confederate of the Confederacy and, and uh, he was working as well um <clears throat> to create the Confederate Constitution that was made public on March 11th, 1861 yes. um which says explicitly within the constitution itself people can go online read it It literally said in Article 1, Section 9, that no bill of attainder ex post facto law or law denying or impairing the right of property in Negro slaves shall be passed. They're basically saying that with this new nation, it will be anti-constitutional to pass any law or bill that um, frees slaves. So they're enshrining slavery forever in the Constitution as a forever thing. And uh, Article 4, Section 2 says the citizens of each state shall be entitled to all the privileges and immunities of citizens in the several states and shall have the right of transit and sojourn in any state of this Confederacy with their slaves and other property and the right of property in said slaves shall not be thereby impaired. So, yeah, you could travel anywhere within the states with your property. And I that that one's useful just to get across that when people say, oh, yeah, Lincoln deprived us this is usually like the libertarian network they're like oh yeah Lib- lincoln deprived citizens of their right to property and it's like yeah okay what was that property did the property talk was it talking property cuz you know th- th- there's no differentiation yeah. like oh but you owned it you have a bill of of, of sale a purchase thus it's property and and we've lost the ability to identify that that was never human beings were never a legitimate form of property in the eyes of god so they've, we've lost that ability of discerning, moral discernment. So that's useful right. to keep in mind. And the, the last article, and there's other disgusting things in here, but the other one on this, on the slide that I thought was useful was article four, section three, part three. Uh-huh. Um, no slave or other person held to service or labor in any state or territory of the confederate states, escaping or lawfully carried into another shell, In consequence of any law or regulation therein, be discharged from such service or labor, but shall be delivered upon up on claim of the party to whom such slave belongs. So they basically took the Dred Scott Law that had really just been passed by Taney a few years earlier, which is that, you know, if if a slave escapes to another state, then it is in the federal protection of the slave master to reacquire the property of said escaped slave. Um, and they're basically saying that that's not just an edict by a judge. That is going to be part of our Constitution.
0: It's truly now, hard, to believe back into the it's hard to believe, Matt, that, that there was ever a human being that could ever write this stuff. I mean, and the saddest part is what's making me so upset reading this is that slavery is just as bad right now. Because you and I know, and there's all different kinds of children and, and slaves all over the world right now. People don't even realize. But just imagine, so to people that don't understand, you know, the banality of evil. People were writing this, and I'm sure just like Noah Harari talking up there, and to a standing ovation, there were people in this room, obviously, in Alabama uh, when they were ratifying this that were like, great idea. Yay. You know, that there was that much. Yeah. There's so, it's so shocking. Go ahead. I'm sorry, but I never saw this. No, no, it's, it's
1: useful. It's, it's good to just soak back the unnaturalness of this. You're right. I mean, totally I'm thinking right.
0: of all the slaves now. You know, there's so many yeah, slaves yeah. now, man. Sex slaves, labor slaves, slaves, you yeah. know, all over the Middle East, all over the world. No, so,
1: I know. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, don't be sorry at all. This is these. Um, but, and so I, the other thing within the Confederate Constitution, which ties back into the unifying theme of the economic fight over exploitation right. and, and, uh, the, the owning of slave issue is Article 1, Section 8, which says that no bounties shall be granted from the Treasury, nor shall any duties or taxes on importations, that is no protectionism, uh, no revenue that's got, that, that occurs from protective tariffs when you tax imports of foreign goods. Uh, be laid or to promote or foster any branch of industry. So within the, the actual Confederate Constitution, it actually says, in direct opposition to the U.S. Constitution, which is the opposite wording, the opposite philosophy, that industrial growth will not be developed, that no revenue of the state will be permitted by the constitutional law to ever go into supporting manufacturing, factories, industry. Why? Well, it's because the whole... System was wired on human brute labor force, and we're going to say a little bit more detail about that. right wow. Lord Robert Cecil, um, Gascoigne Cecil, he was, uh, one of the key handlers of Cecil Rhodes later on. No, no, just oh, a coincidence interesting. In there. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Gascoigne Cecil clan was a high level, uh, uh, family that really came to prominence with the Venetian takeover of Britain in oh. 1688 earlier on. And they've ever since and still to this day remain one of the highest or among the highest of the family, the inner echelon families, and he made a point. He became a uh, he became prime minister for a sustained period after this quote. But he was he was uh, a member of parliament, uh, or no, the House of Lords, where he said the northern states of America can never be our true friends because we are rivals, rivals politically, rivals commercially,
0: with the southern <laughs> states.
1: The case is entirely reversed. The population are an agricultural people they furnish the raw material to our industry and they consume the products which we manufacture from from it with them every interest must lead us to cultivate friendly relations and when the war began they at once recurred to england as their natural ally so what's he basically saying in in the house of lords the the North, because the North has manufacturing, they right. cannot be our allies because Britain wants global monopoly on manufacturing. And, and and the South is our natural ally because the South produces all the cotton. is right. 1861, by the way. And he made the point that as soon as the war began, the South immediately saw Britain as their ally. And Britain just right. actually, and we've written books, all of our books on the Clash of the Two Americas by my wife and myself go through this. Also, Anton Chaikin's uh, writings on this. Uh, who you've had on go through this a great. Yeah, detail. I'm getting
0: in touch with him this week. Cynthia brought him up on the show and I'm like, I've got to get Anton Chakin back on because he can explain a lot of this stuff that is so mind blowing yeah. and so important right now for people to know. Keep going. But yeah, he's his books his book is definitely a must read for people out there. Yeah, and for anybody
1: who's homeschooling their kids or anything, by his how um, who we are, America's uh, Forgot uh, oh, yeah. uh, Universal Progress, volume two is coming out. It's it's gold, 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 oh, I've gotta
0: gold. get him on. Great. Yeah,
1: I forgot. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, right. the, the, the Confederacy was provided logistics support, logistic support, intelligence support, financial support, military support. Britain was producing their, 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 uh, war machine. I mean, uh, uh right. the, the, the warships were being built in London and then supplied to the Confederacy throughout the entirety of the Cold War, uh, Cold War, Civil War. And, um, we're going to see, see a little bit more about that, but what is it about this peculiar system of the global empire. Here's how you have to understand, imperialists understand the world as one thing, one global system with moving parts that have to be managed in such a way that the unipolar center of command is able to stay in some dominant position above the perceptions of the many who have to remain exploited by necessity of the master-slave construct, right? So the way that the British Empire was able as a small island to maintain a one-world government over 25% nearly of the world, of the global surface area and something like 20, similar, 20 plus percent of the world's population in direct control. And then I'd say, you know, most of the remainder under indirect control for centuries was through this set of relationships that, that really perverted, especially the 19th century where you saw that Britain took control of, of the industrial output of the world. You know, India and China were had greater GDP power per capita and, and on a national level than any country of Europe or North America in the 16th century, 17th century, 18th century. And then it was only when Britain started taking control of India and then bringing on the opium wars that we saw the collapse of the GDP of those countries. One of the techniques was in India, which had the most advanced textile manufacturing when, Indi- when, when Britain presented itself, it Systematically destroyed the textiles, cut the hands off of tens of thousands of experienced Indian textile workers who were no longer able to practice their trade. They burnt the, the manufacturing, and then they said to India, "If you want to make money, you can produce opium, and we're going to now feed that opium through free trade to China. We're going to that, thats how we're going to corrupt the Chinese. We're going to—we're going to create organized crime in China." The triads emerged from this process that will be, rem- that will be loyal to the city of London. Um, American, uh, pro-Anglophile families in Boston or New York can benefit. And that's where you get the, a lot of these, you know, the, the Cushing's, the Lamont's, the, uh, the Morgans later on, the, I mean, yeah. the Astors made their, their fortunes working with the British in feeding opium, uh, down the throats of the Chinese and the south which became and we'll see this soon one of the most financially powerful economies of the world the fourth the fourth most financially powerful economy was the south supplied britain 80% of the cotton that they produced was exported to the british textile mills because now britain had control of all the textiles the um so there was a system of global dependency that was maintained right
0: yeah, that's interesting and, uh, we always hear about the cotton but i've never seen before why because it wasn't what's it it wasn't they weren't making cotton for america
1: no no most yeah, of that was going overseas it to Britain.
0: right because you know you like, a little here and there but i never put it together like as clearly as as you are right now
1: yeah and, and this is the thing like even the british people had to remain too poor to even purchase a lot of the cotton that they were themselves producing in the the cheap labor uh exploitative factories um, this is what you know. People like Fried- Friedrich Engels and Marx were—they were looking at the horrors of Manchester and the abusive working conditions of the people there, and right. saying, "Well, if that's what capitalism is, then that's evil." And they created a whole uh, opposing system of what became known as as communism, of Marxism, okay. in response to what they saw. But the fallacy was. And, uh, Engels knew what he was a part of because he was part of the same Palmerston networks, the same Mazzini networks that were trying to work with their, the, you know, Albert Pike in America, who was part of the Mazzini network or George Saunders for the Confederacy, these Confederate generals and and intelligence operatives to destroy America. So they, but they said, okay, all capitalism, whether it's American or whether it's British, it's all the same thing. It's all different variations on the same evil. And thus we need to throw it all in the garbage because it's all exploitative. Right. And it's all based upon um, intrinsically the diminishing returns to the the exploited workers and must be overthrown in order to create some form of like weird, you know, mathematical utopia. The reality is that they were never the same thing as Henry C. Carey understood at the beginning, which is why I chose that one, because Henry C. Carey said, no, there's a a a a, a principled difference. It's two different universes, this British versus American idea of political economy. They're not the same form of capitalism. So the, 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 the cotton that was transformed into finished goods in the cotton mills of Britain were then exported to India, which used to be able to make its own stuff. And now India was being given all of its finished goods for those who were allowed to afford to have it, especially the Brahmins, right? Because, yes. it, because part of the, what Britain did is they, they encouraged this perverse caste system of India that allowed for only 10,000 British soldiers to control over 400 million Indian people. By uh, by encouraging uh, an upper level caste of slaves called Brahmins to oh, be the the British Rajas that would then manage the lower order slaves and the lower castes all the way down to the Untouchables. That was done as as, as they did the same thing with the uh, the house slave principle in the in the US. Right, like how did yeah. how did the slave the slave masters control in some cases thousands of human talking cattle? Well, it was by getting some of the telling some of the cattle that you're my preferred cattle and Ugh. you're going to get some benefits and privileges by being that's the cool. house slave and doing the whipping and keeping the other cattle in line and they and and that corrupted the hearts and minds of a lot of uh of of slaves they did the same in india they did the same in china and that's the, what they well, do everywhere they that's do a, how you do it i
0: think they did that in the concentration camps you know, and in the yeah, camps, exactly. that, yeah, perfundi, you know, I mean, yeah. that's very well known. You're not allowed to say it because then you know that you get the big a word on your head, but that's actually true. I mean, that's what they do everywhere. Mm-hmm. They make just like the red guard in, in China, you know, and that they they had different classes and then they told people in those classes that they were special and they'd be saved and they were above and their friends didn't know that, you know, I mean, this is how you do it. You manipulate people. How you do
1: it. It's like, yeah. It, they still doing it now. Do it.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly
1: um so back to those who say that slavery was was on its way out was dissipating one last thing i think would be important to look at the trajectory of things in 1801 to 1840 the southern cotton exports grew from a hundred thousand bales per year in 1801 to 1 million barrels by 1840 but from 1840 to 1860 those same southern cotton exports grew from 1 million to 4 million bales per year within those 20 years. That's a huge amount of, of rate of growth. 80% of those cotton exports went, like I said, to Britain. Um, in 1790, there were 759,000 black slaves in America. That by, by the mid 1790s, the import of black slaves from Africa, the, all imports of, of slaves was illegalized across every single new state. Half of those states had outright completely banned slaves, right? The other half had committed that within twenty years they would they would wean themselves off of the the dependency. And I believe that those states were very serious. Georgia, you know, all of those states were very serious about their 1790s commitments to develop manufacturing and thus, because a machine can do the work of a hundred men, right? And and wean themselves off of what the British, because the British Empire is the is the institution that from the the, right. the 17th century was had brought in eight million black slaves from Africa in as, as part of the British Royal Africa company that was set up in 1709 and even before that so the British had made these colonies dependent upon an economic activity that required human labor and and always crushed um, manufacturing every time that there was an attempt to create local and uh, manufacturing of horseshoes or hats or clothing in, in the American colonies, there was always economic warfare bri- by the British East India Company and, and the City of London to crush it, and there were laws passed by the Crown of of London um, over centuries to to illegalize manufacturing. So they kept America in this in the state of dependence. Now, why didn't it actually dissipate as it as those founders were committed to dissipating and destroying the institution? Because look at what happened by. 1861, you were now up to uh, 4,450,000 black slaves. In 30 years before that, it was 2 million. So even though they were not importing new black slaves, the population of black slaves were increasing. How? Because they bred human beings like you breed horses. There was an organized system of breaking up families, having a stud, making that stud impregnate as many uh females as possible and just breeding and breeding them like you were treating horses. Um, that's how this happened. It was not going away. There's no evidence that I've ever seen look, looking at the actual evidence that slavery was going to naturally just disappear. If anything it had, there was an, an evil southern manifest destiny that called for the spreading of this system around the world and recapturing the northern uh free states at some point as well as South America, Central America which is what the KKK originally wanted to do with the Knights of the Golden Circle around Albert Pike was to create a global empire centered in Cuba, which was going to be the center command structure of a new global slave empire. Um, that was what the, that the Knights of the Golden Circle is all based on that, which is what again, the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, which was the world's first, you know, uh, intelligence agency run terrorist organization created out right. of the civil spite. As- Albert Pike, southern right free, you know, grandmaster Freemason, asset of Giuseppe Mazzini and Palmerston, along with Engels, who is another branch of this thing um, in Europe. That's what he was committed to with his whole uh, um, entourage. So Lincoln enters. And what is he entering? He's entering a nation in a complete controlled, unnecessary crisis. And the crisis of was economic. uh, America was bankrupt by 1860 in complete economic disarray. Um, this is largely caused, and people should read The Clash of the Two Americas to get the full oh, picture, yeah. but the Andrew Jackson 1836 killing of the National Bank, Hamilton's second National Bank, was not the good thing that we've been told in the alternative media community, and as I once also believed for a very long time, it was not a proto-Federal Reserve. It was not a Rothschild Bank. It was the thing that gave America the ability to carry out economic war against the City of London, in its original first decades of of existence. And Jackson, who was always part of the Aaron Burr fifth column machine, since Burr tried to break up the Union in 1804 and 1807, Jackson was a part of the Burr machine. Um, That's a whole story we can do in a a future presentation. Um, Jackson's killing of the National Bank resulted in the 1837 bank panic, rampant speculation he brought in, Total free trade got rid of all national regulation, got rid of protectionism. Most protectionism on foreign imports was eliminated, crushing, um, the early incubating in, industries and entrepreneurs who, who required some protection in order to, to start, you know, it creating a, a basis of existence. All public works stopped. So all of the, 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 the national investment into the Erie Canal, into the big canals and water projects and other roads and rail, Um, that were, that John Quincy Adams and Lincoln and the Whig, the Whig leaders of America were all fighting for, that all stopped in order to pay the debt. And that became the new, the new obsession was pay the debt, but pay the debt to who? At the end of the day, yeah, you got yourself out of the debt, but now your economy is not building anything. You're, you're becoming more um, dysfunctional. President William Harrison who Lincoln campaigns for in the 1830s, becomes president in 1840. After three months in office, this Whig president William Harrison, one of the most underrated presidents uh in American history, is dead, uh, probably by, by poisoning. Right. And he on his on his desk had um legislation to reinvoke the th- a third national bank, a Hamiltonian bank, that had passed in Senate, passed in Congress. And was about to go into law, and then his death prevented him from signing the legislation. Oh, wow. And uh, and immediately, the 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 different Freemasonic you know satanic networks like around Polk, but especially around Pierce, took back control. And the Pierce government was a, a Freemasonic Young Europe government. Jefferson Davis was a, a high-level figure in it. Albert Pike was a high-level figure. Uh, Judah Benjamin, who was Secretary of State under the Confederacy um a high level kabbalist freemason himself who uh, worked always loyal to the british oligarchy was was a high level power player within the uh, the the pierce administration of the of the 1850s but the, under this period you had the independent treasury act which blocked which prevented any um national regulation on private finance that's a that's a big one you had um by eight, this, these policies resulted in 1861, 1,496 private, private state banks were issuing over 7,000 recognized banknotes. So there are 7,000 types of different, different banknotes floating oh, wow. around. Um, and 5,500 were just made up counterfeit notes. These are not in, when I say notes, I don't mean individual bills. I mean types of bills, right? That right. cause anybody with a printing press could make counterfeit could notes. make money. To- right. Yeah, make fake money. So what was happening? Nobody, no, th- this caused massive inflation because now, um, nobody had any trust in the U.S. dollar or dollars. No, nice. no foreign investor wanted to invest in America. So the 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 purchasing power was collapsing. The uh the ability to uh, produce real wealth was collapsing. The nation was in disarray. There was no ability to harmonize action as a, as a nation must in order to defend its people or, or fight against the empire. Right. And there was no regulation of private banks. Um, and, and only you had state regulators on, on a local level that could be easily bribed and always were bribed. And there were no reserves or capitalization, no bank reserves. So a bank could lend out as much as it wanted with no obligation obligation to have any capital reserves for the deposits in their own banks. That was so obvious. Total it insanity. Was total it's insanity. And and meanwhile, they didn't have
0: that. any, they didn't have any computers or technology or anything. So, like, this is like literally people going around handing out these things and convincing people they're worth something. I mean, yeah. on a massive scale, it's not. I nuts. can't imagine
1: how 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 to manage this type of insanity. But, no. and, and so now Lincoln also has uh, a new civil war, like a like he's a, a like you've got the nation breaking up. So now he has to figure out, well, how do you fund huh. fund that operation while at the same time? Um, dealing with this fact that the U.S. is collapsing in bankruptcy, very similar to the sort of situation that Franklin Roosevelt entered into as well. Um, in many ways, it's very interesting these parallels. Whenever this American system that that Trump talked about is revived, it's always at a time of crisis, which right. should give maybe maybe that's hopeful for our current situation because if there was ever a crisis and it ever a bankruptcy right. in America, yeah, yeah. And now here it is. Yeah, yeah. So let's look at what what did Lincoln actually do? Well, the first thing on the economic warfare front. Yeah, the Bank and Currency Act of 1862, 63, and 64. This involved placing thousands of local state banks under federal charter with federal supervision for the first time in decades. Since the, since 1836, this hadn't been done. Right. This also established reserve requirements for the first time and capped the interest rates in order to destroy usury. So between 15 and 25% uh, capital reserves were required on deposits in every bank. So that's a big deal. That, that screwed up a lot of the schemes and, uh, and, and manipulative activity of a lot of the, these, uh, financiers. Um, usury was big. People were getting in, getting into debt slavery and then foreclosing on their farms, uh, in the 1840s and 50s out of the wazoo. It was going crazy. One of the, the ways that that Lincoln was able to to stop this was by saying no more than six percent interest could ever be permitted on any type of loan. and if you try to do more as a bank um then whatever if you do seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty percent as people had been doing in your loans to usurious loans, then you will have to pay back as a bank the whatever was paid on those interests by double by those who received your illegal loans and but that was a big deal to stop usury. Right. Um, and again, think about the type of loans that people are, are, or the type of interest that people are being forced to pay on their credit cards and their other loans today, 20 plus percent. Um, I mean, this is causing intentional foreclosing on real estate, on housing, on, all across the board where uh those who have the money and are in the know, like Vanguard are or State Street can then buy up all of the foreclosed properties. That's also what happened in the Great Depression. So this is what Lincoln was also having to do battle with. He also forced, for the first time, 75% of all bank directors to reside in the state in which the bank was located, and all directors had to be, for the first time, American citizens. So no more like Rothschild or Rothschild proxies from right, Europe exactly.
0: owning yeah. financial institutions of yeah. in America. You know, it's funny. I, I, um, in, the, in the book I'm writing right now, I'm saying that all congressmen and senators should have to live 90% of the time in the state in which the people that elected them are and no more living in DC or go into DC full time. Cause uh, this is the same kind of concept. It's like, if you're around the people that, that you're, that you put you there, uh, you're a lot less likely to be, uh, screwing them. <laughs> you know
1: I, I, mean? I think that that's a good idea. I support so that.
0: Going, but that's funny because I, <laughs> I put that in because I said, you know, of all the things, there's a lot of things we should do. One is make lobbying illegal. And two is whoever yeah. elects you, you live in their state. You don't live in DC. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, the, the, the most important thing, which gets at the, the, I think the crux of, um, the, the, the best weapon against the oligarchy was the greenbacks and this yeah. new form of currency. It, it was called the greenbacks. Which could only be issued against US government bonds. And that's part of the 1862 Legal Tender Act. So they basically, you know, you could if if you the the banks who then received the federal charter um, right. would have to put one-third of their revenue of their of their um capitalization of their um their their assets in savings within the US Treasury. In return, they would also um be buying um or receiving um treasury notes or or, or different different uh, uh bonds by the government those bonds could then be uh uh w- would then justify the issuance of a certain proportional amount of greenbacks issued by the US mint that would then go into circulation as currency that that amounted by the end of the Civil War to half of the currency in circulation were federal greenbacks issued by the Treasury as part of Article One, Section Eight of the U.S. Constitution, which gives the the government the authority to coin money, to issue issue loans for this purpose, to take take out debt for the monetization of this of whatever you want to create. Um, and on, on top of that, so those 450 million dollars of greenbacks were, were in circulation, and also new bonds were issued under Lincoln called the 520 bonds and the 520 Mm -hmm. bonds. Oh, and by the way, so the, the federal charter by keeping your money or one, one third of your, of your holdings in the U S treasury, you would then receive the charter that gave you as a private bank on a state level, the ability to avoid a whole variety of taxes. So it it incentivizes doing that of capitalizing the government. And at the same time, justifying the issuance of the greenbacks, and then also helping you as a bank, uh, emit, loans in non-usurious ways to industry to uh to entrepreneurs and other things we're going to see a bit more about that the 520 bonds were really important this this amounted to 1.3 billion dollars um of of money that was created through the 520 bonds that was mostly in for 1862 the people,
0: to invest in, so the people it's a lot of money in yeah exactly right you have to think in that
1: yeah part. yeah huge and and so and, and this is this is kind of like the same sort of thing that uh That was done with the victory bonds to win world war ii as every american citizen could buy a bond at a certain amount of guaranteed interest in this case it was five percent interest over 20 years um and then have a personal incentive over investing in your nation's survival as a whole and that money would go into building manufacturing infrastructure in the case of world war ii it was win world war ii in the case of uh egypt more recently or in the case of ethiopia that's what they're doing When when egypt built the second suez canal in 2014 or when Ethiopia built or is building the Grand Renaissance Dam today, that's what's going on. Right. It's yeah, funded not by the IMF or World Bank. It's being funded by the people who are allowed to buy the Ethiopian or Egyptian bonds that are tied specifically to the project. It's an American, yeah. that's an American precedent, ironically. And we could do that again easily. We should. They
0: sounds so much smarter than anything else. I mean, doesn't this seem so much smarter? And then let me ask you something. I, Cause I, of course, never read the bank and currency acts. Was there something in there? Oh, there it is. High protective tariff to defend local industry. So, so part of this was also about reinvesting in wherever your bank was that would help you. And you said they also had a thing where they, because it was doing that, the, the taxation was different. I mean, so all of this stuff seems like a, a great plan right now to be rebuild America from the inside out. <laughs> I Absolutely, don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it seems it, like it, a, it's, it's, so much it's so smarter.
1: Yeah, it's so, Keep simple. going
0: because and at some point the federal reserve shows up and, and pulls the yeah. rug out.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't forget, we won't go directly into that. This no, no, way. no, we'll, we we'll, might we'll, do
0: that on another yeah. show, but yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is so no it. brainer. This, this, yeah. if you just change this into current language, this could, uh, you know, this seems like we're going to have to send this over to, over to the next. Well, and this uh, is what, what
1: team. this is what Trump did with the, with the, with his destruction of NAFTA, um, was based upon the right of every nation to use protectionism. Which was illegal right. under NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. It was bringing in simple the right of nation to say of any nation, if you're going to be sovereign, to say, well, let's so- protect. We'll have a tariff to protect whatever industry yes. we want to incubate and cultivate okay. against the foreign dumping of cheap goods or anything else. That's that's necessary. Uh, so that's what Lincoln did. It was called the moral tariff, one of the one of the highest tariffs, very very strategic tariff that allowed for the cultivation of, of industrial growth, and uh, and the state banks went during this period by 1865 where you had formerly um what was it 1496 private state banks issuing 7000 recognized banknotes that by the, by 1865 it was down to 296 uh wow. private banks um and and everything else had, had had federal charters there was very few um there was hardly any counterfeit currencies and and the well as we're going to see Lincoln also said my my politics are short and sweet like an old woman's dance. I am in favor of a national bank and I am in favor of a high protective tariff and national improvements. He also what does that said That
0: sounds like that sounds like Donald Trump to me.
1: Exactly. It's so, so it's it's a very simple way of speaking, but it's there, there's so much to it. And in 1861 in December 27th He gave a speech, an annual address to Congress, the first, the first address to the nation where he said the patriotism of the people where he begun, he began the 520 bonds of the people has placed at the disposal of the government the large, the large means demanded by public exigencies. Much of the national loan has been taken by citizens of the industrial classes whose confidence in their country's faith and zeal for their country's deliverance from the present peril has induced them to contribute to the support of the government the whole of their limited acquisitions, the fact imposes peculiar obligations to economy and disbursement and energy in action. So again, he's referring directly to the, the, the national patriotism in, in investing in their country in a time of need. Right. One of the things that people are still confused by is that during the course, cause this is how he funded the, 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 the um, the civil war was through these things and, and, he went originally to, uh, Gallatin, who ran the, uh, what is it called? The, the, uh, American Association of Banks of New York. Uh, oh. most powerful money trust in America run by, uh, yeah, James Gallatin, the, the, the grandson of Albert Gallatin, another trader working with Aaron Burr a hundred years or, or, no, 60 years earlier. And these private banks, the early Morgan bank, uh, banks and other, others said basically, yeah, Lincoln, you need a loan. And this is like 1861. You need a loan. You need money. Okay, well, we'll give you that. And, and they did. They, 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 they at first issued $150 million of loans to the government, but under conditions that the government would not release any, would illegalize any legal tender currency, that, uh, that the government would, would put all of their gold specie into the private, uh, New York banks, that the New York banks would have full control over the issuance of or, or sale of U.S. government debt. Um, and that the the loans that the government re, uh, that Lincoln acquired by the private banks would be between 25 and 30%. So they were like yeah we'll give you those loans but under these highly usurious conditions where you'll you won't ever be able to pay them off. <laughs> so basically um Lincoln and Henry C Carey uh his advisor had the wits to say no. Um, they kicked them out and that's where the greenback idea and these these legal tender legal currency acts came into play now one of the things on top of paying the soldiers was something that people still don't understand in 1863 you have here the middle railroad the the union pacific stretching from new york all the way down to san francisco that was built up starting in 1863 finished in 1869 when both rail lines met here the green and the orange um that was it it took about six years but he chose to begin this massive infrastructure rail project the first time a continent had been connected by rail in history of mankind. It never happened before in the middle of the the civil war. And again, and this is because people have been made um, illiterate on the issue of the battle over economic systems. And one of the things that Lincoln understood was that if you could do this, then you would create not only a robust industrial base, but you would begin, you would liberate national reliance upon the shipping, maritime shipping of goods, which right. were completely monopolized by the British Empire. So that, that itself created a, a what's called a science driver. A, a, the new forms of mining, of tunnel building, bridge building had to be developed to, to uh, construct this over very hostile conditions. Of the Rocky Mountains stretching all the way through Colorado all the way, you know, there, there's a lot to it. And, um, and it created a very forward sight, like a long-term mode of thinking where the greenbacks and the, the 520 bonds became tied both to the personal interests of the individual, which shaped their identity, but also the long-term interests of the nation as a whole. This is the, 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 what's needed for the fulfillment of the, what seems to be two opposing principles. Of the US Declaration of Independence that enshrines inalienable rights of the individual as sacred, which they are, and the Constitution, which seems to be in opposition by saying that it is the general welfare that is primary, both of uh the, the population now, right. but also into posterity. The whole and the individual have to have to be harmonized in a right. natural way. You can't force it. Like yeah. that's that's where you get Biden and the abuses of all imperialists who say, oh, for the greater good, the, the, the sure, general welfare, we need tyranny um not the same thing so part of this uh involved the role of the russians and again i, I this, this story couldn't be complete without fully appreciating how in the midst of this crisis when things were looking still quite bleak um, lincoln had a a, bo- a bond um a spiritual brother in the form of tsar alexander the of russia was also known as the great emancipator because he emancipated in 1861 25 million Russian serfs that were essentially slaves under sl- uh, slave owning conditions, um, of Russia. He, he basically yeah. liberated them one, one swoop. This is two years before the Emancipation Proclamation in the United States. And, and this is um, where the
0: lies start about Russia. I always tell people, if it wasn't for the Russians, the revolution and the civil war, we would have, it would not have gone the way it did. And people don't know no, that. Exactly. And
1: I'm glad you bring it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the Russians, Tsar Alexander II, through, uh, Ambassador Gorchakov, the, the, the foreign minister, uh, Grand Duke Constantine, his cousin, who was a great lover of the American system, and especially Ambassador, Russian Ambassador, uh, Edward de Stokal, who was the American, uh, Russian Ambassador in the United States, who's the guy whose hand is touching Alaska on the globe with the, uh, the, the mustache. Yeah. Um, they organized to ensure that Lincoln had the the military support of Russia that deployed uh, their Russian navy to the coast of New York and San Francisco as a direct message to the belligerents, not just of the Confederacy, but also of specifically of, of England and France, um, as a message which Alexander II even admitted to in a in an interview with with a banker who a publisher named Wharton Barker. He gave an interview to him in 1876 saying, yeah, there was that was causes belly. That was a, that was cause for war if Britain or France chose to uh support openly the Confederacy, the Confederacy as they were covertly at war, right. recognize the, the Confederacy as an authentic sovereign nation that you could do business with. That would be an act of war against Russia, um, right. which is what gave Lincoln the support he needed. Now, also keep in mind. That the British had about, uh, 20,000 troops or more stationed in Canada ready to attack Lincoln from the north at any given moment. France also had tens of thousands of soldiers in Mexico ready to attack and support, uh, link, support the south and, and attack Lincoln from the south. That was all waiting in the wings. And if it were not for Russia, I don't see any evidence why that would not have that. been deployed. Right. Um, don't even get me started on the, on the nasty role that Canada played in all of this, but the point is after the war, um, you have the sale of Alaska in, um, I think it's March or no, it's May 1867, weeks before Britain's second confederacy operation, because Britain didn't just have the Southern confederacy operation in North America. They had a Northern and Southern confederacy operation to destroy the Union and, and undo 1776. The Southern one failed. The Northern one was a success. The Northern one was the Canadian confederation that was finalized weeks, weeks after the sale of Alaska for $7 million by Russia, which, cause that was formerly Russian property to the United States. Now the guy sitting down is Secretary of State William Seward. Seward had survived the night that Lincoln was killed. Seward had survived his own assassination attempt that very same night where he had something like 18 stab wounds that, that he survived from. Um, the reason why he had survived and this guy is hardcore, um, was because he was, his body was already uh, in a, in a body cast, recovering from having been pushed under the wheels of a carriage, uh, week before, and he'd broken so many bones that his whole body was in a, it God. was in a, a, in a cast with metal, uh, and like then metal he was stabbed head after,
0: after head. that? Holy cow. And he got
1: stabbed after that, um, but because of the metal casting around his body, there was no vital organs that the, the assassin could reach, and his, his My son God. overheard him screaming, and came in and wrestled the assassin, um, who ended up jumping out of a window or something, but yes. he being a hardcore warrior within months was back on the job as secretary of state after Lincoln was killed and, and began secret wow. diplomacy with the Russians to extend Lincoln's transcontinental uh, railway ending in, in San Francisco up northwards through British Columbia into Alaska that was designed to connect through Alaska with telegraph wires as well into Russia, China, and one of Lincoln's, wow. uh, key Key collaborators who was his bodyguard, formerly before becoming Lincoln's bodyguard. Uh, William Gilpin was known as the father of manifest destiny. And uh, William Gilpin was one of the earliest promoters of the transcontinental railway project going back to the 1840s and had championed this in thousands of addresses and speeches. And he became Lincoln's not only bodyguard, um, cause Lincoln also survived an early assassination attempt after being elected and on his voyage from Illinois to, um, to Washington one of the key guys who over, oversaw his uh, his bodyguard was Gilpin. Gilpin Gilpin was made the first governor of Colorado when it was still a territory and in that in that function William Gilpin um used a state version of Lincoln's greenbacks to fund the militia to fund the soldiers in Colorado that then fought against the confederacy to prevent the opening up of a a western front because there was an effort Around what was known, it was put down in what's known as the Battle at Glory at a Pass, which was sort of the Gettysburg of the West, um, where Gilpin was able to stop the opening. And if that that Western Front had opened, that would have cut off any ability to have a building of rail between San Francisco and uh, the East Coast states. Um, Definitely. And it would have probably made the situation unbearable. This is in 1862. Wow. But Gilpin, after the war, goes on to become an international champion of international rail building. This is called Gilpin's American Economic Just and Correct Map of the World with wow. rail lines. Um, in 1890, this was published. People can read the book on archive.org of Gilpin's oh, wow. Cosmopolitan Railway. Oh. Um, I got whole chapters on this in our books. On yeah, they think about tw- doing
0: stuff like this in the 1800s, but in, in 2023, they can't build anything.
1: Yeah, I know. They can't get pathetic. anything
0: done now. Yeah. I know,
1: I know. <laughs> but this is the thing, right? And he's calling for the Bering Strait, which is a 100, 100 kilometer rail gap, uh, or gap between Russia and, uh, and American Alaska to right. be built with uh connected by rail, um, stretching again all the way down throughout Africa. And, and in his book, he goes in depth and detail wow. about how this would be financed by Hamiltonian, uh, methods by, by greenbacks, by what he calls four, four, 450 bonds, bonds that would have a 4% interest over 40 years. Right. um the russian tsar alexander iii who later on is also poisoned by arsenic um and sergey vita the finance minister of russia who builds the, Sybe- the Trans-Siberian railway starting in 1890 that built with american rail cars from philadelphia the baldwin locomotives that are running a- across russia 7800 miles of rail um as the world's second transcontinental railway um that's bu- that's they're also supporting the construction of, construction of this Bering Strait rail tunnel. Um, you have got um, Patriots in British Columbia, an isolated colony of the British, separated by by three thousand um, miles from Ontario or uh, Quebec. Because yeah. there's no there's no Canada as we know it today. Back in those days, you just have you have like four British colonies of, of Canada on the on the east coast, and then you, then you have an isolated British Columbia on the right. west coast. But in between, t- what is today like? 85% of Canada's modern territory are all private Hudson Bay land. This is Hudson Bay territory is where you had the manipulate. Basically you had um sort of a subsidiary of the British East India company. And it was yeah. designed to keep the, the continent underdeveloped and, and barren and a lot of yeah. like
0: native. We'll native do a bands. show on that at some point. Cause that's fascinating yeah, sure. too. That's yeah, very, stop that, talking that, about that no, one. No, no, <laughs> but keep going. But I know because this is uh. Now we're gonna have a series of of because uh, I'm learning a lot. What's so I can't help but look at this map and think that American infrastructure is on its last leg. It's all I've been all over the country driving. It's like such a mess. And that back then they could do this, build it in a couple of years, and we can't build anything anymore in America. We can't fix our railroads. We can't build a ra- any new railways. We can, we don't do it all of our infrastructure is a disaster. They keep raising money, putting money towards it. And uh like you're talking about with this, so much of this, not this, but also the other stuff was built, you know, uh when they had no technology, <laughs> no ability. Yeah. So it's so sad because it's just such a truth about reality, which is they can do anything you want. They just don't do yeah. it.
1: No, exactly. It's all state of mind. And when people do talk about technology, it tends to be contaminated by a lot of this transhumanist garbage yeah. The the oligarchy says, oh yeah, we love technology, we love it, but it's really they're just thinking about the 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 pervert the perversion okay, of technology. We use it to
0: control, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. But the idea of actually liberating and emancipating people to a and and bringing our lives to a better way, that's not permitted in their definition of technology. It's it's only for like creating metaverses, creating better forms of biotech to to create yeah. new types of mosquitoes. To spread whatever or laser not beams. To have and have clean
0: water worldwide and, and have uh, thriving farmland yeah, yeah. all over Africa and South America and, and America. No, no, it's so ridiculous at this okay. point, but this is a shocking map because to think about when it was and that not only did they know they could do it, but they built a lot of it. And, and today we build little- nothing but, but weapons at this point.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and so you know, this again goes back to that Henry C. Carey idea of the two systems are before the world. One looks to universal war. One looks to universal right. peace. One looks to elevating the condition of man to a higher and better way. And the other looks to under overworking him to the status of the Hindu. Um, that's what that's what was the world was exactly. moving in this direction. And you see what had to happen to stop this momentum, because, again, Russia was building the Trans-Siberian. The leaders of Russia were were in the midst of planning the the next phase of the connecting the Trans-Siberian up through Vladivostok into the bering strait you had leaders in america talking william mckinley was giving speeches to extend rail uh down through the darien gap connecting se- north and south america through the darien gap through panama okay. um all of this was stopped with the murder of mckinley the murder earlier of garfield the murder of Tsar alexander ii and third the overthrow of, of nicholas ii who also commissioned a team of american engineers to go to the bering strait in 1906 um to carry out feasibility studies that early because he was under the influence still in, uh, of of sergey vita the the first prime minister of of uh of Russia who was a devout devoted follower of Lincoln and the American system in Kerry, who was unfortunately overthrown by a foreign directed color revolution using a similar model as what george soros and the cia have been doing to overthrow governments we don't like that was done under the form of what what uh was done in russia using russian intelligence russian secret societies like the okrana the holy um brotherhood of these, these, these wannabe, these feudalists of Russia that were still pissed off that they lost their slaves in 1861 when Alexander II liberated the serfs. They didn't go away. Just like the, the slave master, right. the slave power exactly. of, of the U.S. Yeah. didn't go away. They went and created the KKK and America's secret policing operations under the FBI. That, that was created with in Russia in the form of the Okhrana. So wow. we, we always had in every nation, you could write a, a book series on the clash of the two Russias, you know, based on this, this right. whole thing. And it was funded by the same people. If you look at who funded the, the early, uh, Trotskyist, Bolshevik color revolutionaries that overthrew, that both overthrew Sergei Vita and, uh, and ultimately led to the murder of the, the Romanov dynasty, the Romanov family. Right. It was Jacob Schiff. It was, it was Bernard Baruch. It was Paul and Max Warburg who were the financiers. It was Lord Alfred Milner who were bankrollers of this. And I, I did, that's part of, uh, chapter, Two of the Clash of the Two Americas, um, volume two. They all um, by the way, they all
0: have buildings named after them in New York. At least some of them are at MyU, yeah. I know for sure.
1: And these are the same creepy creeps that were also behind the creation of the Federal Reserve. And things like after exactly. Lincoln died, it was this this grouping of Anglophile maniacs that did things like the 1871 Specie Resumption Act that destroyed the greenbacks. I- there was an immediate war went after 1865 to Undermining, because un, why did the greenbacks disappear? It, it, they, the 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 London and Wall Street bankers went to war right. using their proxies in it. government to, and the Specie Resumption Act was all based on uh, tying the U.S. dollar to um, a one-to-one ratio with gold. But the gold was all controlled, just like today, by the Cecil Rhodes, by the London uh, gold magnates that controlled both the most of the mines, but also the the how the pricing of gold was engaged through speculation. So they could then ensure that the nation couldn't emit more credit than it had gold. But you could then pr- artificially manipulate the price of gold, and the pound sterling was the global currency of the day. You could manipulate the price of gold based on on speculation, the way George Soros does today. With I was going to say,
0: I was going to say, well, we know somebody who did that in our lifetime. And and again, yeah. this is this is like you you know you say this a lot. So does Cynthia. So does Alex Craner. You know, a lot of this stuff happened before. That we're going through now. It's just now there's uh, there's technology, there's social media, there's uh, there's all alternative media, there's all these different platforms. But again, it does seem time after time that it goes back to the same people. Like we'll we'll stop in, in a minute. I'll let you do your last two slides, and then we're we'll, we're gonna continue next time. But I do have to say, we take us up now right now to 1871. A lot of stuff happened in this period of time too. Maybe next time you'll take us from there <laughs> forward. But the craziest part is as I say all the time they can do anything they want with the, with all the money they have and the technology and the ability and the people and the pa- they're doing everything on purpose to keep the power and control in the hands of the few as they were back then. So nothing's yes, changed. Yes.
1: No, same thing. No, that's it. I mean, and the solutions are the same. Their Achilles heel is the same today as it was then. And ironically, when you look at the Bering Strait today, it is being uh developed. And I mean, Russia, Vladimir Putin came to America in 2007 and offered to revive the Bering Strait uh, project. Unfortunately, George Bush and Cheney were in power, so he didn't get any response. He rev- It was offered again under Obama in 2011, officially by the Russian government. They offered to even pay for 60% of the building and construction. And again, no response under Obama or Hillary, obviously. Yeah. And the Chinese government endorsed it in 2014. It took on the form of the the Polar Silk Road. That's the, the this. If you look at why do people hate the or not? There's there's negative feelings towards China, the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, otherwise known as the New Silk Road, and its Arctic development components. It's because they don't understand that this is a revival of what Lincoln was already doing, and this is with American system banking as far as national controlled banks that emit credit for the building up of the productive powers of labor to leap over the limits to growth, to break the Malthusian trap of depopulation, to create abundance where the British system creates scarcity. That's what we could join. That's what Trump was moving us into alignment with, with Trump's push towards the Alaska to Canada rail rail line development, which he endorsed in October of 2020. That would have immediately opened the door to revival of the Bering Strait rail connection, bringing us into communion with with a cooperative policy with Eurasia. And drove the reconstruction, the rebuilding of America's Rust Belt and, and shut yeah. down factories in Detroit and Philadelphia. So the the thing is not a mystery. It's not it's not uh esoteric. Any anybody can can study this, can do this again. The oligarchy is still t- afraid of it, and that's why they want to destroy any possible revival of this with uh, anything that that Donald Trump is already re- began reawakening and will continue to reawaken. I if agree. Um, the u s. can av- can avoid falling into the trap of a new civil war so that's, that's yeah, pretty much it's it. It's hard
0: to believe, Matt Arete. I gotta tell yeah. you, you I, I love learning from you, but I have to say that maybe next time, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a class on, um, on all the, the murders of all the presidents and who was involved and why. And you'll find out that they were all the same. Right now they're just trying to murder uh, Donald Trump without making him a martyr. So they're trying to murder him, keep him alive, but destroy him otherwise. And it's all for the same reason. And I believe it all goes back to the same stuff. And again, uh, you know, as always, uh, thank you, Matt Arete. Uh, a lot of people probably learned a lot. I know I did. And uh we'll keep going forward with our Matt Arette lessons. So we'll have shows where we just talk about stuff going on, and we'll have shows where Matt will teach us stuff because it's really important to know. And with this one, that the most important part of this one is to realize that – and I like that you said that about the Belt and Road Initiative because the one thing I say about it for sure is that we didn't have to not be involved. We should have been doing it. America should have been doing it. We should have been building the ports. We should have been helping countries. We should have been doing it. And then we could take our, our supposed morals and values and all that and, and do that there. But you know what? China saw the opportunity, and they took it. And you know whose fault that is? Ours. So uh ours for not doing it ourselves and, or our government. Not us, we, the people, but these people, the lunatics that want to keep keep control and, and walk into World War III because they messed up and we didn't. So thank you so much, Matarette. You're the greatest. Tell everyone where they can find you
1: canadianpatriot.org and uh, all of the books that we publish are there and yeah. uh, and also Anton Shaken's book like I said uh, who we great are america uh, fight for Universal progress such a good book and uh, treason
0: his book treason is a great book oh my god treason in america uh, it's
1: it's masterclass okay. of uh, of of american history like i have that that that's the most amazing book if people can treason in america anton shaken google that Wherever you gotta buy it, if you gotta dirty your your hold your nose and go to Amazon, just buy it. If if yeah. you Yeah, oh, I'm gonna bucks, get him on. Bucks, Maybe I'll have it. you both
0: on. Maybe I'll have you on okay. together. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out right. to him. But um uh your books are as important too. And uh Rising Tide and Mataret Substack, we'll put all the links below. And he's very popular, he's all over the place. I took a month off to to move, I come back, he's too busy. But um that's a good thing. Keep going, Mataret, you're doing great work out there, I really appreciate it. Two all
1: right, you two months. Okay. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Bye
0: bye. Hey, guys, thank you for watching the show. I just want to remind you yet again that we really need to be very cautious of what is going on with the economy, both here and internationally. Most of us know that the BRICS nations are looking for a gold-backed currency to dethrone the dollar, being the world reserve currency. They have an event coming up on August 22nd. The BRICS nations are all going. There are also 13 other nations that would like to join the BRICS nations. And this is not something to not pay attention to. We have to make sure that you protect your savings. And that is why I have chosen Beverly Hills Precious Metals. where I have gotten my gold and silver, I leave it in a depository, I know it's there. I've replaced it with my savings I've put there to make sure that I weather the storm no matter what, be it the central bank digital currency, the BRICS nations, the dollar goes into collapse, whatever may happen, I know 401k, IRA, backed by gold as well as having my savings at least an amount of my savings in gold in the depository or sent to you at home is the best way to make sure you maintain peace of mind and make sure that your savings and everything that you've earned is safe no matter what comes we will get through this all is not lost america will return to greatness as it always has been but between now and then we have to be very smart and very cognizant of what's going on so please go to Gold or go to the MelkKshow.com partners page and go to Beverly Hills Precious Metals and my friend Andrew will take care of you he's got a great team gold is the way to go right now and I know that no matter what I'm safe so please do that for yourselves we really care about you here you're more like family and friends and I hear from all of you a lot so I just want to make sure that you guys are doing something proactive to be prepared all will be well but take care of yourself now being prepared is always a good thing Hi, guys. You know, for months and months, me and Mike Al have been talking about the water supply, what is in there. There are pharmaceuticals in the water supply. There are all these chemicals, lots of pollution. We've had all these natural disasters that leave our water not nearly as clean and certainly not as God intended. We know how important water is for our health. So we have been on a mission to try to find the best alternative to the water that is out there, including bottled water, which... Of course, we did a whole show on everything that's in bottled water, which is almost as shocking as what's in our natural water now. So we found the best partner we could in Healthy Hydrogen. Uh, This is a portable bottle that I use all the time, but also there are many options over there. You can get a house, a full house system. You can get a tabletop system. You can get uh, for your shower, for your you know, office and business. They have so many great options. If you go to Show.com, we have partnered with them. So it's on our partners page, Healthy Hydrogen. I am telling you right now, the difference in this water and what it will do to your health in general is incredible. Uh, if you have inflammation, your immune system has problems, anything that you are thinking you don't know the solution for, this could be the game changer. We've been looking for the missing piece, and I believe the missing piece is the water. We are so excited. They have so much science backing all of their products. They have been tested by all different groups out there that do this for a living and look at water really in depth. We have the hydrogen aspect, which is truly fascinating. Nothing is more important than water. We all know that. So make sure you're putting the best water in your body. And I assure you, this is a true, true game changer that you will see right away and will improve your health and your family's health going forward. Go check out the Case Show Partners page, Healthy Hydrogen, and get. get. Get your health back from the inside out, starting with God's great water. We will see you soon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the show.